Well, good morning. Um, I would just want to encourage you today and celebrate with you uh, as we be, we're continuing in this series called Miracles. They really do happen. I was uh, thinking about uh, just a couple of things that we've seen God do even this week. Um, we've been praying about some very specific and urgent things that took place earlier this week. And, and by the end of the week, God had answered those four specific things. And I would even call those some miracles. So we're already starting to see God do some great things. Um, if you're new today, we are in a series called Miracles. They really do happen. And we defined a miracle as this statement here. It's a, a surprising and welcome event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws, and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency, of a divine agency. And so today, really what this whole series about series is about is believing that God can do the miraculous in your life and in the people around you's life. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, what we're looking at today. One of the things that uh, we need to realize today, I want to introduce a word that maybe some of us are familiar with, maybe some of us aren't. Uh, it's kind of a big word, but it has a very simple meaning, and it's simply this. As we unpack this series, we need to understand and realize and remember that God is omnipotent. And when I say that word omnipotent, you're thinking, what in the world does that mean? It just simply means all-powerful, that God is all-powerful. And so when we think of this word omnipotent, uh, it simply means all-powerful, that God is all-powerful. And today, I want to share with you just a quick story uh, that reminds me and, and helped me maybe for one of the first times to really see God's omnipotence and His all-powerful ways um, in my life. Um, I was dating Whitney in school. We were at Mid-American Nazarene University, and I had this car. It was a, it was a Corsica. It was a, just a, a piece of junk. It was a lemon. And my wife, well, not my wife. She was actually my girlfriend at the time. I uh, lived in Fort Scott, and I was in Olathe, and I decided one night really late that I was wanting to go see her. And I kind of weighed that back and forth whether or not I wanted to do that because the truth was is that I didn't know if that car was going to be able to make it all the way to Fort Scott. And so I decided to go ahead and go for it and, and uh, begin to drive. And I got about 20 minutes away from Olathe um, down by Lewisburg, and my car just started to die. I mean, it started to go boom. Well, you know, like that, and it began to lose power, and I began to think, man, this this is not good. And I remember praying to God that He would that He would return the car to power, so I wouldn't be stuck on the middle of the road in the dark. Um, and I never really thought of this big word, omnipotence, but I remember believing that God has the power to change my situation, which is what. Omnipotence, omnipotence is. And so I said, Lord, I'm just asking you right now. I know, I know that you probably got bigger things to do, but I'm just praying, God, that you would help me to get home with this car. And in the past, when this car would start doing some of the things that it was doing, it would always die. And I just remember praying, God, would you please, would you please allow me to get home? And I remember hearing my car going from this weak state to regaining power. I'm not making this story up. This happened. And I remember just for the first time, not just hearing about him believing, but seeing God's power 
take place. As soon as I hit the driveway to where my wife's was at, the car lost power and and died right where I was going to park. And I share that story with you because God is omnipotent. He is a God that has the power to change your story and to change the story of those around you. And when we give our life to Jesus, we have access to that power, not only for for us, but for others. John, who was one of Jesus' disciples and one of the ones that Jesus said he loved, and he writes a story that many of us may be familiar with, but it's in John chapter 4. And as Steve mentioned earlier, you can go to your, the Version app if you don't have a Bible with you, and you can follow along with us under the events section. But here's what happened basically in John chapter 4, verses 46 through 53. There's a situation taking place that, that needs a miracle. There's a little boy in a town called Capernaum, who is sick, and I'm not just talking about influenza B sick or influenza A sick or, or you know, is, is the normal flu kind of sick. He is ready to die. He's so sick. And his dad, who the scripture says is a, is a government official, and, and he learns that Jesus is traveling to a town called Cana. And this family, this dad and this son, they live in a nearby town called Capernaum. And so this official, after hearing that Jesus is going to be nearby, he decides that he's going to travel to Cana and speak with Jesus because he believes that Jesus is omnipotent, that he has the power to heal. And we know for a fact that he's heard about his signs and wonders. And so when he hears that Jesus is in Judea, he decides that he's going to go. And scripture says that he went, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, and he begged Jesus to come to Capernaum and to heal his son who was about to die. And I don't know if you can see this picture playing out in your mind, but essentially... You have this dad who's desperate for something different to happen, for something to change in his son's life. He's probably exhausted all, you know, all the different kinds of medicines that they had that day and all the different home remedies and, and all the different things. Maybe even met with some of those scholars and the priests. And he's at this place where there's nothing left. And for a minute, I put myself in his shoes and I began to think about if I knew that my son was going to die and that he just had a day or two left, would I risk going to get Jesus knowing that if I don't succeed, I might miss his final moments? But at the same time, if I believe in God's omnipotence and that he really has the power to change my son's story and my son's illness, then I think I'd make the trip. And that's what, G, what, that's what he does. He finds Jesus and he, and he comes to Jesus. And Scripture says he didn't just come to Jesus. Scripture says that he went and begged. He went and begged. Say that with me. He went and begged. He didn't ask. 
He didn't just say, I'm sorry, I don't want to bother you. He went and he begged Jesus on behalf of this burden because he wanted to see a miracle. And he begged Jesus to come with him to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. So Jesus sees this crowd gathering around and people kind of ready for a show. And he asks this question. He says, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? He's kind of talking to the people around him. And the official, who doesn't give a flying rip about these people, he's concerned about his son. He brings it back to the wise there and he says, Lord, Please come now before my little boy dies. Other version says, sir. But he recognizes his authority. And he says, please come now before my little boy dies. He's asking Jesus to change his route. He's asking Jesus to change his plans. He's asking Jesus to come and intervene in a different town. And Jesus, seeing his faith says, go back home. What? Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said. And he started back home. That's not exactly the end of the story. While this man was on his way home, happy and giddy that that he was going to see his son healed, some of his servants, Scripture says, met him with the news that his son was alive and well. That would be enough to celebrate, but he he asked them, when the boy had begun to get better, Or he says, when did the boy begin to get better? And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock. His fever just suddenly disappeared. And the man starts to go through the timeline in his head and he realizes that that was the very time that Jesus told him, your son will live. And as a result of that, not only did he believe that Jesus was omnipotent, that he was all-powerful, that he was the Son of God, but his son believed. And Scripture says his entire household believed in Jesus. His entire household believed in Jesus. Say it with me. His entire household believed in Jesus. Jesus. That's quite a story. That's quite a a miracle. There's some things that we can learn from this story, not just to understand God's omnipotence, that he's all powerful, not just to understand that God does miracles, but to see miracles happen in 2018. The first thing that we have to realize if you're going to set this story up as somewhat of a recipe for a miracle or a way for God to to run wild in your life and see God do some, some things is we have to understand what the foundation of this miracle 
uh, what this foundation looked like. The first thing that we see, if, if you're following along with me in John chapter 4, verses, begin with four, verse 46, is that he went to Cana. Remember that this boy and his dad lived in Capernaum. And scripture says, when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, now stay with me before you, you think I'm not, I don't have a point here. He went. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went. Say that with me. He went. Now, what we have to understand is, is that scripture says that Capernaum was nearby Cana. But nearby is about 20 miles. When you study where Capernaum is to Cana, you realize that there's about a 20 mile, some say 18 to 24, but basically 20 miles for Capernaum to Cana. Now, this man was an official and there's a chance that he was on a horse but when we see him encounter his friends, his servants, and he, and he asks, um, when did this happen? And the guy says, yesterday this happened. Well, if he would have been on a horse, he would have been able to make it back that same day, most likely. So there's a good chance, of course, we don't know this for sure, but there's a good chance that this man walked from Capernaum to Cana to get help for his son. 20 miles which would take at least a day, maybe two, depending on how fast he's walking, knowing that he's losing time with his son who doesn't have that time to leave, that much time to live. But here's what we can get from that. When you believe God is omnipotent, Capernaum to Cana isn't that far of a walk. When you're desperate, Riding or walking 20 miles doesn't matter. When you believe that God is all-powerful, you're willing to do whatever it takes. It may not be 20-mile walk to find Jesus. Another thing that we see in this story is that he went... But then when he got there, he begged Jesus to come to him, uh, to come with him to Capernaum. In fact, he says, when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and he begged Jesus to come and heal his son. You see, when you believe God is all-powerful, omnipotent, you don't have a problem with begging Jesus to come with you. I've shared this story before, but I didn't always follow God. In fact, most of my life I was around church, but for most of my life I really wasn't a follower of Jesus. And I remember stories of family members and people that I cared about telling me that they would get on their face and they would beg God on my behalf. Did you know it's possible today for you to get desperate for God, not just for yourself, but for someone else? In fact, that's what we see happening in this story is this father is so desperate for his son that he's willing to go 20 miles, embarrass himself, beg Jesus in front of everybody else because he's more concerned about what God could do than he is how he looks. What would happen 
if some of us, be nice if all of us, but if some of us would take seriously that God is calling us to begin to beg God for the souls and the lives of other people. We also see, which is kind of a side note here, but not not really, we also see in this story that he calls Jesus Lord. And in other versions that I mentioned earlier, he, he calls him Sir. In verse 49, it says, The official pleaded, Lord, please come now. Now, what we realize in this story when he calls him Lord is that he's acknowledging who he believes Jesus is, and he's submitting himself to authority. When you ask your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews, would you do this or would you do that? Or as a coach or a teacher, if you ask a student to do something and their answer to you is sure or yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, or I'll do that, daddy, or I'll do that, mommy. We have a, a soft spot for that because we recognize that they are submitting themselves and they are being obedient. And our relationship with God is no different. When we come before the Lord and we humble ourselves and we come underneath his authority, which is easier said than done sometimes because we have our own will. But when we come under his authority and we say, God, if you want to help or I understand that you can help rather than saying, Lord, Jesus, under your authority, will you help? You see, when you believe that God is omnipotent, you don't have a problem with calling him Lord. Say it with me. When you believe God is omnipotent, you don't have a problem with calling him Lord. Lord. The other part of this story that indicates that he believes that God is omnipotent, that Jesus is omnipotent, that he's all powerful, is that when he tells this guy, he says, hey, go home, your son is healed. Scripture says that he believed Jesus' words and he left. The Bible doesn't say that he questioned him, that he spent time saying, look, I, I, I rode all the way here, I walked all the way here. I just want to make sure, are you serious? It, you know, what do you really mean by that? No, Scripture says, go back home, your son will live. And, and it says, the man believed what Jesus said and started home. The man believed what Jesus said and started home. Say it with me. The man believed what Jesus said and started home. The sweetest words to this man's ears where your son will live. When you believe that God is all-powerful, you also believe in his omniscience, which is another fancy word, which means that he, he knows everything. He's all-knowing. When you believe he's all-powerful, when you believe God is all-powerful, you also believe in his omniscience, which is a fancy word for you believe that he is all-knowing. If you believe God is all-powerful and you believe God is all-knowing, then when God says, go home, your son is healed, you know that he has the power to do it. 
and you know that he knows what he's talking about. He knows. He has the power and he knows. Did you know the Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on my head and Steve who's running the camera's head and every person in the world? He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. We also see in this story that he realized that one o'clock changes everything and everyone. He realized that one o'clock changes everything and everyone. Remember when we read the story earlier, then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him. Because he asked his servants, hey, what time yesterday did this happen? And he says, it's about one o'clock. He realizes that at one o'clock yesterday is when Jesus told him that his son would live. And the servant verified that at one o'clock he felt better. When you believe God is all-powerful or omnipotent, you realize that he's also omnipresent, which is another fancy word for everywhere. God is all-powerful, omnipotent. God is all-knowing, omniscient. And in this case, God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere He was with the government official saying, your son will be healed or is healed. Now check this out. This blows your brain out the back of your head. At the same time he was with the dad, he was with the son, healing him. He was with the dad. Your son will live. And the servants verify. He was with his son. Healing him. God. Is omnipresent. He is omniscient. And he is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is everywhere. We can believe that God can change our story or someone else's story because we believe in who He is. We all have people in our life that when they tell us something, we either don't believe it or we need to verify it. Or because we know their character, we believe exactly what they say. It's easier to move mountains. Last week we asked what mountains need moved in your life. It's easier to pray for those mountains to be moved in your life or someone else's life. When you truly believe in who God is. A lot can happen in a day. This man went. 
This man begged. This man called Jesus Lord. This man believed what Jesus said. And this man realized that he can be in two places at once. I bet you he's so glad that he went to Cana. So here's the question today for all of us. Do you need to go to Cana? I don't mean literally. I mean figuratively. See, Capernaum is where the sick boy was. And what's the figurative, not literal, but what's the figurative Capernaum in your life? The place that seems like the marriage can't get any better. The place that seems like Nothing can ever change. The place that seems like depression and anxiety is always going to overwhelm you. Capernaum represents the addiction that you just can't seem to get past. Capernaum is this place where you've seen Satan have control over you or someone else for a long time. But what would happen if you'd go to Cana? If you would... Come to Jesus and say, God, you are my Lord. Have mercy on me. Do a work in my heart and in my life. That's essentially what this Pray 21 is all about. We're on the eve of that. It begins in the morning. It's asking all of us to intentionally go to Cana. To be willing to say, God, I am going to prioritize you. It's probably a reminder for many of us, but for some of us, you may have no idea what Pray 21 is. But what we're asking is that you would begin to do three things over the next 21 days. That you would pray, that you would fast, that you would gather together with us. In the morning, we're asking you to start a fast. This fast is not designed for you to go on a diet. It's not designed for you to not eat and do nothing. It's designed for you to focus on some burdens in your life and maybe someone else's life. Maybe there's some type of spiritual darkness in your life or some kind of something that you want God to break through or maybe you want God to break through in someone else's life or chances are you need both those things. And so rather than eating your normal patterns, you're going to modify that in some way and you can go out to our website um, and you can find under the events and announcements, the Pray 21, you can find all the different fasting options. Steve's got it all out there on the website, so you can go right out there as soon as this is over and find out the different fasting options. But taking this time to fast in some fashion and pray for those issues. The other thing is to pray. We have prayer cards that people have been filling out. And we, we still want more prayer cards. So 
If you have not filled out a prayer card or you would like to add one, you can go out to our website. Steve's also got that all set up online. And you can go out there and digitally write your prayer request down, send it to us, and we will have it ready for you and uh, have it ready for those that are going to be here tomorrow to begin to pray. And that leads me to the last piece, which is the gatherings. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., we're going to gather together here for 45 minutes, worship and pray and hear devotional and fast and ask God to do the miraculous in us. Will you go to Cana with us? Will you begin to say, God, I believe that you want to do something great in me and through me for other people. You might be surprised what can happen in 21 days. And the other thing is, we may never see the fruit of these 21 days until we get to heaven. But I look back on my life and see where God heard my prayers and the prayers of others for me way beyond when they prayed. So we want you to encourage you to be a part of that. Um, thank you so much for being a part of today. You didn't have to take the time to be with us this morning, but you decided to do that. I encourage you, before you um, sign off, share this live video on your Facebook feed if, it's on, if you're watching on Facebook so that others can be blessed by it today. We want you to know that we love you and we are believing God to do some great things in the life of our church through this time where we go to Cana. Um, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you, God, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be the people that you want us to be. Lord, if there's someone out here today that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, may they know, Lord, that your word says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that you can be saved. And so, Father, today, if someone doesn't know you, all they have to simply do is acknowledge that you died on the cross for their sins, invite you into their life, repent of their sins and confess their sins, and begin to walk with you. Lord, for the rest of us, Father, we pray that you continue to sharpen us and grow us. Thank you, Lord, that miracles really do happen. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you in the morning.